Well, as Jaden just said on the video, this is the final week of Advent. Each talk stands alone, but we've had fun for the last four weeks celebrating Advent, which means someone is coming, or in our case, Jesus is coming. It's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And uh, today we're going to focus on some, a, a very simple concept that really, though, can be very profound for us, and that is the reality, our big idea is Christmas is an interruption. Um, Christmas really does interrupt our lives and in, in many practical ways, if you kind of consider the interruption of Christmas, like maybe it's how you eat. Um, I know I've had probably a few too many sugar cookies already this season. It's known in my home that if they make sugar cookies and frost them and put those little red hots on them, just a few, it's just the most perfectly delicious cookie in the world. I have no idea, but I cannot resist stopping by that container every time I pass through the kitchen, which may be the reason my son was watching the movie Santa Claus, and when uh, Tim Allen started gaining weight at the beginning of that movie and is in his gray sweats, he said, hey, look, he looks like Daddy. It's awesome. Five-year-olds speak the truth in love, right? And uh, I was, it'd be a little mean if he was 18 and said that, but he's five. There we go. I feel a little better. I'll make, I'll convince myself it's okay, right? Uh, it, 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 the season interrupts the way we shop. The season interrupts the way we work, um, our vacations, trying to work like aggressively and get 20 weeks work done in one week so that we can have a few days off with family. You know, it's just craziness. Maybe we're working that much harder to give back to the community. Maybe it affects our finances. We like plan for this time of year. We hope for finances this time of year. We've, you know, or, or maybe you're like us and you make a, you know, minor investment in stamps. This time of year, since when did it cost a fortune to say Merry Christmas to those who want to see a picture of you other than on Facebook, right? I'm so torn between the digital and the physical. Moving on. It interrupts the way we see in here, ultimately, right? And that's just the natural. It interrupts the natural rhythms of our life. Maybe it's carolers knocking at the door. But some of you are thinking about the other side of it, right? Maybe that's more of the happy side of interruption. It's more, for some people, the negative interruption. For you, Christmas adds to the already overwhelming stress and tension of life. For you, uh, Christmas is the awareness of all those that aren't present versus those that are. Uh, for you, Christmas is a reminder of of something lost, or those that are maybe angry at the table. You know, it's just, it's easy to focus in on what's wrong with this picture of Christmas. It's the emptiness you feel. It's a painful interruption. And the sentimentality of Christmas reminds you of what used to be versus what will be. I don't know whether it's happy or sad for you, but we can see where this original interruption happened in Scripture. And we're going to read it here in Matthew 1.18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. 
his mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Now this is a scandalous interruption in its day. You might read this story or hear this story and go, yeah, isn't that kind of like normal now, right? Yeah, so they loved each other, they got pregnant, and then they planned a marriage? Was that, what's, what's wrong? In this day, in the Jewish culture, this was scandalous. Like this was death penalty scandalous in this day, that... Well, this is how it all worked. If you wanted to take a bride in this day, you as a young man would make your way over to the bride's family and you'd sit down with the family. Not the bride. the, The potential bride would not be present. You would have a meeting with the father and the mother and you would come up with a bride price. Sounds crazy, but it is true. And you would, you know, 10 cows, 11 cows, 5 cows. You know, you're negotiating. Can I throw in a chicken, you know? And you finally come to a price. And then you would get a cup of wine and you would make your way for the first encounter ever with the potential bride. You'd make your way to the the bride and you would make a covenant with each other, which is like an agree, a contractual, unbreakable agreement. And you would each take a drink of the wine, and that covenant was sealed. And then you would go back to your parents as the groom, and you would build a house. This is ultimately the most romantic plan ever, right? And uh, so you're building a house. Now, that would be the first disaster if I had to do that. But anyway, so you're, you're building a house. You put this house up, and, and as soon as you get the house done, and it could take years, uh, you go back to said uh, person you're engaged to, because you've been engaged this whole time. You uh, have a, a ceremony. You consummate the marriage. I won't explain. And... Uh, And then you make your way back to your parents' house, and now the bride is a part of your family and and the house you built, and you start a family. So what's wrong with this scenario is they go through the whole first negotiation thing, and, uh, you know, they've kind of made agreements with the family, figured out the bride price. So Joseph, um, this whole marriage covenant was established, and um, he comes back for his bride, and she's pregnant. And he knows it wasn't him. And somebody had explained to him how that happens, right? So it's like he knew better that he was just like, okay, this is scientifically impossible. Um, I've been building a house, 
you've been, well, I know what you've been doing, girl. You know, so can you imagine how that meeting went? Uh, good to see you, Joseph. Hope the house is awesome. Sorry, but I'm pregnant. You know, and so try explaining that. Joseph knew for a fact, being a smart guy as he was, right, that he was not the baby daddy. No need for Maury to do a test. He was positive. So it was, it was not his child. So that's when he's like considering what to do about this. He's like, man, I, I, I wanted this, as, this girl as my bride. And so he's thinking, man, he could publicly shame her. She could be stoned to death and it'd be awful. Or he could just quietly leave her and try to figure out how to clean this mess up, right? And so he was considering all this. Falls asleep, angel shows up, boom, that's the son of God. Don't have any crazy ideas, Joseph. It was the Holy Spirit. Sorry, bro, but it's all good. You know, and so it's like, what? You know, and so it was different. It was an interruption for sure. Because when he went to sleep, he was thinking Mary was a two-timing, right? And he's just like, oh, had all kinds of names. Can't believe it. How could she do this to me? And then he woke up going, what? The same as Mary got pregnant and was like, what? Now they're both, what? That's where they're at in this story. It's an interruption that was needed for you, for me, for them. It had been prophesied for generations, for hundreds of years. They had expected this, but it was like Mary and Joseph that had to go through this first scandalous interruption. Consider all of this, Joseph had to do. I can't imagine. Christmas is an interruption with reminders for us today, too. And we're going to focus in on three of them. The first reminder is that God loves us. It's, it's God's love for us that we're reminded of at Christmas. How does this all play out? Well, Jesus comes to earth to dwell among us and, and live with us, right? God with us is the promise of Christmas. Christmas is God's way of shouting out, I love you, right? I want to initiate a love relationship with you. And we find ourselves here in this moment of him saying, I love you. And yet we've doled the word love in our culture down to nothing almost, right? I mean, come on. Students admit it like you're like two days into a relationship, and sometimes it's like, I love you. Oh, I, lo- I love you. Right? It's that moment of, you looked in my eyes, I know. I've watched every Hallmark movie. I know this means we're in love. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I just look at that and go, wow. Right? I mean, I, I mean we, we say we love our food. I mean, we say we love ice cream at 10 o'clock at night when we're in our pajamas. Oh, is that just me? Anyway, so we say, you know, I mean, we do. We, we love Hallmark movies, as I already said. In my house, that's a deep love. Just check the DVR. Unreal. It's almost full. Moving on. Uh, you know, so it's like when we hear then God loves you, it's like, yeah, yeah another, that's cool. But no, this love is like, Loud, interruption, bold, extravagant, scandalous. 
It's full of power. It should shock us. It should awaken us like God loves us so much that his son comes to be with us. This is not just, I love you. This is like, love. Ground-shaking, huge love. God loves you. And this Christmas, God really wants it to be an interruption. He wants it to be one of those moments where you're like, wow, God, I want to consider like ultimately the price you paid. We'll talk about this on Friday night at the Christmas Eve, Eve service or on Sunday morning at the Christmas Eve service. But that's why the angels would come and they would say, behold, like this is a stop everything you're doing. Look and see this is love. John 3, 16, 17 says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Imagine the birth of Jesus as a bookend, right? Prop some books up on a shelf. You, you got these bookends. And, and the first, the beginning bookend is the birth of Jesus. Like this is the ultimate expression of God's love. The, the, it's the interruption of the birth of Jesus, if you would. God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. And then the other bookend is the price Jesus pays on the cross. We'll celebrate it at Easter. But just the reality of his death and resurrection from the cross is this side of love. It says in Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ, right? The birth of Jesus. But then to die for us while we were still sinners. The other end. So there's these bookends of love expressions. And in between it, we're supposed to experience life to the full in his love. Like just totally sandwich in his love. That's where we belong, is in the middle of all that. Love. So much love that God risks sending his one and only son for us. The birth of Jesus. The ultimate expression and initiation of love. So people of faith experience life to the full in the midst of this love, but that's not just God's intention. His intention is that every Every human being on this planet would experience his love and experience the fullness and the belonging and the heart and all that comes with a thriving, growing relationship with God in the midst of these bookends. That's what we're introduced to at Christmas. It's not just, yeah, God loved you, baby manger, wise men. It's a picture. No, it's so much more than that. Christmas is an interruption. The second reminder is that we are wanted, belong, and have meaning. We are wanted, we belong, and we have meaning. These are three desires that every human, every culture, no matter where you're at, no matter introvert or extrovert, you long to be wanted. You long to belong. You want to have meaning with your life. This is why people do things like, you know, join groups. This is why people do CrossFit, I think. I wouldn't know. Um, this is why people, uh, you know, go to join a book club. Do they really like to read or do they want to know people, right? They want to belong. 
This is just what we're driven to do things, clubs, cults for that matter, and yes, even church, not to wrap those two too closely together. Moving on, uh, but just, you know, we don't want to live life alone. But yet some of us make choices that result in that very thing. We find ourselves during the holidays feeling incredibly alone because of the choices we've made for ourselves. We also want to have meaning, right? We, we not only want to belong, we want to have meaning. We don't want to be just one of seven billion people on the planet that are taking up space. Like, we want to count. Or at least some of us, right? Come on, I saw a, a, a picture of of Bill Boyle, I'm going to call you out. This isn't in my notes. Sorry, Bill. Uh, but the, uh, you know, doing the, the toy giving tree for the city of Buckley and the fire department and, and just doing this amazing thing for hundreds of people in that community. And you go, you're not driven to do that just because you want to be a number out of 7 billion and maybe be invisible. You do that because people matter, all 7 billion of us significant and now you're wanted like at meeting a need in the community wow no matter who we're talking about we want our life to count we want to at some point be the hero of the story and every one of you are a hero you have moments where you get recognized man i made a difference well that's happening here in in the beginning in the moment of Jesus, a hero comes on the scene, the Son of God. A hero comes on the scene, and we're, we're running through life now, and, and we're, we're facing the natural human needs that we have, and, and, and we're trying to connect the dots of these wanted, wanting to be wanted, wanting to belong, and wanting to have meaning. And Jesus says, it's all through me. If you just come right through me, your heart will expand, and it'll be enough. You could touch the life of everyone. In fact, his intent is to interrupt life so that it could be an impact in the life of everyone. I don't know. I look at Christmas as maybe an on-ramp. It's that moment where we see Jesus for the first time and we, we understand that God, God is saying, come on in, I want you to experience life to the full, abundance, freedom, significance, meaning, belonging. And he kind of shows us a picture of what this having a life that is wanted and belongs and has meaning looks like. It's another story. It's not the story of Jesus' birth, but it's the story in Mark 5, verse 24 through 34, where out of millions of people at the time, <laughs> you know, 2,000 years ago, one person who was uncommon, unclean, was just an other, if you would, found herself in the point of focus of Jesus. When she shouldn't have been, ultimately. The scene is that of Jairus, a synagogue ruler. He was a very important person in his community. He had a 13-year-old daughter that was at home and was sick and he came to meet Jesus 
as crowds were pursuing Jesus, Jesus is getting out of a boat, and, and Jairus meets Jesus and says, my daughter is sick, will you come? Jesus says, yes, they go to his house. And this is what happens as the crowds are pursuing. It says in verse 24, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard that Jesus, or she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Wow. Right? Like, wow. Jesus shows us something beautiful here. Reminder number three, he shows us to love others. Jesus shows us an an incredible way of love here that is so potent that we need to catch. This was a total interruption, specifically of Jairus' plan, right, that day. This was about him and his daughter, right? Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, this high-ranking official, to heal his 13-year-old. I have two 13-year-olds. I can relate to what this must have felt like. If one of them was so sick that I would travel a ways to bring Jesus to heal one of my girls, I'd be pretty like, let's keep going through the crowd, right? Follow me, Jesus. This is the way to my house. This nameless, unlovely social outcast because of the laws of this day interrupts everything. For lack of a better term, I called her this just a moment ago, she's another. I mean, for 12 years she's been unclean. What does that mean in this day? If she touched anyone, they would be ceremonially unclean. So she was cast out for 12 years of the city. This woman has not felt the embrace, the hug, the love of anyone else for 12 years. Almost as many years as Jairus' daughter had been alive. She's desperate. She's at the point of ultimate desperation to find herself illegally within a crowd. (laughs) And she finds herself squeezing her way up just to, if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she thinks, maybe this is my healing. I'm going to interrupt Jesus' plans today. This other thinks. Man, can you imagine 
the courage it took her to do this. How many times have we thought to ourselves something similar as her, but were paralyzed in fear and didn't take action, right? She's like, she knew she wasn't good enough. She knew she wasn't lovable at this time. She knew that she was less than anything she can imagine. She had nothing to offer him. She just needed something healing. So this woman touches Jesus, and he feels the power go out from his robe. Can't explain it, right? And, uh, and, and so he turns around, and, and this is the moment that just, as I was prepping for this talk, I'm just going, what would I do if I were Jairus? So put Jairus aside, let me just imagine me, right? I'm going, I have 13-year-old girls, I'm bringing Jesus to my house, and somebody's like, touches, pushes, crams their way in, and, and touches Jesus, and he's like, he doesn't even say, hey, just a sec. Jairus, I got, you know, just sec, Thad, we good, we good still, I got something to take care of. He doesn't, he just full on just like turns around. Uh, Jesus, remember, we were, uh, if you, man, should I text him? Do I page him? What do I do to get him to turn back around? You know, that, I would start, I'd be a little aggressive. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 you're good. Oh, no, 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 you're good, Jesus. This way, this way, this way, right? I'd start to guide him now instead of, and, and, and then he would turn back around. He keeps looking for her, it says. That's when I would just be, hey, I know, I'd grab his robe. Come, come, come. And then if he kept looking around, I'd be, Jesus, you know, I'd just be, come on, what are you doing? I would start to go crazy. I do sometimes over-exaggerate. I get a little like, you know, I would just be, I'd be like demonstrative at that point for the sake of my kids. I'm almost positive. I'd get pretty like, oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. And I wouldn't get too bad. But I'm pretty sure if someone was recording this story and I was there, I would have showed back up in it. You know, it's how Jairus is nowhere in this scene. It's just like all about the girl. It's all about her. Jesus is looking around, and he keeps looking around. And nowhere does it say, Jairus came back in and said, ah, Jesus, you know, it doesn't say that. If I were there, if I were in the story, I would have made a return to the story. You would have seen it. And then, like, Thad was entitled, and he got a little, like, uppity. I would have pulled any card I had. Jesus, I'm a pastor. I never play that card, right? But I would there. Jesus, I'm a pastor. I like serve you. You love me. Follow me. You know, I don't know what I would have done. I would have tried it all. Because for all sake and purpose, like Jairus lost his opportunity. That's what it looks like. It has to have looked like that. Even for just a minute, he had to have thought, he's moved on to someone else. Did my daughter die? Does she not count anymore? Do I not matter? Has my life of service not mattered? All those thoughts have to go through his head. He kept on looking. See, the message isn't in what he was disregarding for a moment. We know the story. We're a little farther away, so we know like Jesus goes and heals his daughter. Maybe if you've read it before. That happens. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that. But, uh, you know, but he's really communicating a message about the value of the other in the story. He's communicating a message about the value of this woman with an issue of blood. He's communicating a message about the uncommon and and how valued they are. And he introduces something. And this is the love of God for us. This is the interruption for us. And he introduces something incredible here in his love to say, you matter, you're valued. And, And he says 
to the girl when she finally approaches him and falls on her knees. He says a word he uses nowhere else in all of scripture. He says, daughter. Daughter. The word translated as daughter in English, which doesn't bring the weight of it and the intent of it, and like this unique word carried so much value. He said, daughter, you're clean. Wow. Like, so Jairus was the important high official, like the high ranking, but he said, no, like she is the most important. She had need it was met, go and live a life clean, free. That's powerful. That's the love God has for us. That's the interruption. That's the kind of weight this season should carry. Go in peace. He would stop for us wherever our need is at. He's going to pause for us because we're wanted. He's going to stop and look at us because we have value in this world. Every single one of us. I don't know how he does it. It's kind of like Santa making it to everybody's house with presents all in one night, right? Jesus can love everybody at the same time all around the world, 7 billion people. Well, maybe it's not just like Santa. But anyway, it's like solid at the same time. It's crazy. That's God's love for us. We're valued, every one of us. God loves you. We need to grasp that. This Christmas. We need to allow that interruption to come and bother us almost, right? We need to be bothered by this story that, that in a way that transforms us, right? That we would go from being bothered by the woman with the need of healing and we would become expectant of interruptions ourselves for God's love to flow through us. And that those interruptions don't bother us. We actually are blessed by them. That we actually have an expectancy of them. Because Jesus did. And we get to live like him. We are so loved by him. And you know what I've found out? Loved people. Love people. We should be filled with love for others this season. So our action point and challenge today is that we would be interrupted by love. Now that can be in two different ways, right? Maybe we're going to receive love like never before. Maybe it's that we're going to have an opportunity to give love like never before this year. That we have a capacity within us. Maybe that means helping someone less fortunate. Or that you would consider to be an other, an uncommon, an unclean. Somebody that you wouldn't expect to interrupt life. You would allow their life to interrupt yours. And you could show them love. Maybe for you... Interruption means allowing yourself to be found like that woman with an issue of blood. She could have forever chose to hide in the crowd and go away. I believe Jesus would have called her out eventually before she escaped. Okay, you won't come to me? I'll come to you, right? And he would have found her. I'm almost positive of it because he seeks the lost so that they'll be found. Maybe this Christmas is your Christmas to be found and finally just say, okay, Jesus, I'm done exploring. Enough of this trying to do it on my own. Here I am. I want to follow you. If your circumstances are looking bleak, he could bring light to them. If your life is getting more lonely, darker by the minute, Jesus can find you and bring light into your scenario. 
Maybe you need to be interrupted today. Maybe that's, you came through this door and God knew an interruption was at hand. He wants you. He wants you to come to him and to say, okay, here I am. Just, here's, this is who I am. He's like, great. I never wanted you to be perfect when, I came, when you came to me. I love you. That's the message he's communicating today. And that's the message we get to remind you of, is that you're wanted, you belong, you're significant. I don't care what happened yesterday, last night, or this morning on your way here in your car as a family. God loves you. It all begins and ends with love, and we get to experience the blessing of that love in the middle. God, we come to you today with hearts full because we saw our kids like incredibly cute up here. With hearts full because it's Christmas and we get an opportunity to be generous and bless those around us and make a difference. With hearts full because of the interruption of Christmas. But maybe some in this room are just in that moment where for the first time they realize, man, I need to press through the crowd. I need to find my way to Jesus and and follow you. If that's someone in this room, I pray right now that they would just just confess it. They would say, Jesus, I come to you. I want to follow you. I invite you into my life. I want to be found. And that God, every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, would understand, comprehend, and start to absorb the value of their life, how much you wanted relationship with them, that you would send your son, not to condemn anybody, but to reveal your love to us. And that that love wouldn't just be love. That love would be love, huge love. May it interrupt us this Christmas, way we stop daily and just adore you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the breakthrough you could bring us. For those who need healing, heal them today. For those who need light in their dark circumstance, bring life and light. Bring the broken things back together. In Jesus' name I pray. Touch lives. In your name. Amen. Amen. The worship team is going to sing a song here.